Section thirty one of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume Ten England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section thirty one The Quarrel of Squire Bull and His Son. 1775 to 1783 by james kirk paulding john bull was a choleric old fellow who held a good manor in the middle of a great mill pond and which by reason of its being quite surrounded by water was generally called bullock island bull was an ingenious man an exceedingly good blacksmith a dexterous cutler and a notable weaver and pot-baker besides he also brewed capital porter ale and small beer and was in fact a sort of jack-of-all-trades and good at each in addition to these he was a hearty fellow and excellent bottle companion and possibly honest as times go but what tarnished all these qualities was a quarrelsome overbearing disposition which was always getting him into some scrape or other. The truth is, he never heard of a quarrel going on among his neighbours, but his fingers itched to be in the thickest of them, so that he hardly ever was seen without a broken head, a black eye, or a bloody nose. Such was Squire Bull, as he was commonly called by the country people his neighbours, one of those odd, testy, grumbling, boasting old codgers that never get credit for what they are because they are always pretending to be what they are not the squire was as tight a hand to deal with indoors as out sometimes treating his family as if they were not the same flesh and blood when they happened to differ with him in certain matters one day he got into a dispute with his youngest son jonathan who was familiarly called Brother Jonathan, about whether churches ought to be called churches or meeting-houses, and whether steeples were not an abomination. The squire, either having the worst of the argument, or being naturally impatient of contradiction, I can't tell which, fell into a great passion, and swore he would physic such notions out of the boy's noddle so he went to some of his doctors and got them to draw up a prescription made up of thirty-nine different articles many of them bitter enough to some palates this he tried to make jonathan swallow and finding he made villainous wry faces and would not do it fell upon him and beat him like fury after this he made the house so disagreeable to him that jonathan though as hard as a pine-knot and as tough as leather, could bear it no longer. Taking his gun and his axe, he put himself in a boat, and paddled over the mill-pond to some new land, to which the squire pretended some sort of claim, intending to settle there, and build a meeting-house without a steeple as soon as he grew rich enough. When he got over, Jonathan found, that the land was quite in a state of nature, covered with wood, and inhabited by nobody but wild beasts. But being a lad of metal, he took his axe on one shoulder and his gun on the other, marched into the thickest of the wood, 
and clearing a place, built a log hut. Pursuing his labors, and handling his axe like a notable woodman, he in a few years cleared the land, which he laid out into thirteen good farms, and building himself a fine farmhouse, about half finished, began to be quite snug and comfortable. But Squire Bull, who was getting old and stingy, and besides, was in a great want of money, on account of his having lately to pay swinging damages for assaulting his neighbors, and breaking their heads. The squire, I say, finding Jonathan was getting well-to-do in the world, began to be very much troubled about his welfare, so he demanded that Jonathan should pay him a good rent for the land, which he had cleared and made good for something. He trumped up I know not what claim against him, and under different pretenses managed to pocket all Jonathan's honest gains. In fact, the poor lad had not a shilling left for holiday occasions, and had it not been for the filial respect he felt for the old man, he would certainly have refused to submit to such impositions. But for all this in a little time Jonathan grew up to be very large of his age, and became a tall, stout, double-jointed, broad-footed cub of a fellow, awkward in his gait and simple in his appearance, but showing a lively, shrewd look, and having the promise of great strength when he should get his full growth. He was rather an odd-looking chap, in truth, and had many queer ways, but everybody that had seen John Bull saw a great likeness between them, and swore he was John's own boy, and the true chip of the old block. Like the old squire, he was apt to be blustering and saucy, but in the main was a peaceable sort of careless fellow, that would quarrel with nobody if you would only let him alone. He always wore a linsey-woolsey coat, the sleeves of which were so short that his hand and wrist came out beyond them, looking like a shoulder of mutton, all of which was in consequence of his growing so fast that he outgrew his clothes. While Jonathan was outgrowing his strength in this way, Bull kept on picking his pockets of every penny he could scrape together, till at last, one day, when the squire was even more than usually pressing in his demands, which he accompanied with threats, Jonathan started up in a furious passion, and threw the tea-kettle at the old man's head. The choleric bull was hereupon exceedingly enraged, and after calling the poor lad, an undutiful, ungrateful, rebellious rascal, seized him by the collar, and forthwith a furious scuffle ensued. This lasted a long time, for the squire, though in years, was a capital boxer and of most excellent bottom. At last, however, Jonathan got him under, and before he would let him up, made him sign a paper, giving up all claim to the farms, and acknowledging the fee simple to be in Jonathan forever. End of section 31 This recording is in the public domain.